Oh yeah, Saturday morning coffee. You are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. The call to gird up is an ancient way of telling a man to prepare himself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world. Here, you will find a community of believers working hard to become the men that God has created us to be. We're glad you've joined us today. Now it's time to roll up your sleeves to gird up and join us on this road towards Christian manhood. May God bless your time with us. Here we go. Gentlemen, happy Saturday. It is football Saturday in my house. It's football Saturday in the Ungemach house. That means that we're watching football on TV. It means we got a fifth grade football game later on in the day today. And we've got uh, high school football we were watching last night. There's a game of the week tonight. And the Badgers play a huge game against Michigan today. If you're listening to this after the game is over, get at me. I don't know how it's going to go out. Um, but win or lose is going to be an awesome day. This is an awesome game. And this these are the days that uh, college football fans live for. This is the days that college football teams play for. The opportunity to prove yourself on the biggest stage, right? The opportunity to prove that you're getting better. The opportunity to prove that you're the biggest and baddest in the land. I love it. I love it. And, And in my mind, this is one of the purest examples of sport. I think it's the pinnacle of Amateur athletics, and say what you will about big-time college football, you can claim that it's not amateur. You can claim that the players are being cheated and all that. You can save your breath because 90%, actually it's less than 5%, go to the NFL. So 95%, actually more than 95% of college football players in the NCAA and in the FCS do not go on to play professional football in any way shape or form it's less than five percent of college football players go on to play any kind of professional football in any form and so the reality is that most players in college are playing for their teams they're playing for their communities they're playing for their families they're playing for the love of the game and um, no matter what the headlines might be no matter what the big news stories might be college football is the pinnacle of amateur uh, football, amateur athletics, and there is nothing more exciting. There is nothing more exciting than watching your team play, especially when you're a big-time fan like me. And I love the NFL. Um, I especially love the Green Bay Packers, but there's nothing that compares to football played on Saturdays, uh, especially the big games like we're seeing like we're seeing this week and as we get into the more exciting parts of the football season. So I hope that you enjoy something as much as I enjoy college football. It's also just, frankly, a great escape from the week, right? It's a good way to relax, kick back, um, sit on the couch, drink some coffee, and, and watch some great football. Uh, one of my favorite parts, I used to miss it when I was playing uh, because we always had meetings and things because we would play at 1 o'clock in the afternoon most of the time. So we'd always have meetings and things throughout the morning. I would always miss college game day. And so it's one of my great joys now is to watch college game day um, and see the, all the stories, see what's going on in college football, um, and uh, just all these little feature stories that they do to help you get to know the players, help you get to know the teams, help you get to know the matchups. And, and just I, I love it. I love all the storylines. I love the conversations that we get to have. Uh, and since I'm a Badger fan, I was real interested when I saw that Jonathan Taylor was going to be featured in one of those little mini stories today. And uh, he was he was on there talking about you know some of his um, modern, if you will, eclectic. I think is the word they use training practices. So he does high yoga and he does meditation and things like that, which not as woo woo as they sound. 
when the Lord told Isaiah to be still and know that he is God, that's exactly the kind of thing that he was talking about. Um, It's just a modern manifestation of finding peace, finding uh, quiet, and letting go of the things that I cannot control. And I want to tie that in with what I've been reading um, because I I honestly, so I've been reading through the book of Genesis. We started at the beginning. We started talking about the creation story, the creation account, um, the origins of man and all that kind of stuff. And and we've been talking about that on the podcast for the last couple of weeks. I didn't necessarily tell you that that's what I was doing in my personal Bible study, but we can use, you guys can usually tell what I'm doing in my personal Bible study because it comes up in uh, what we're talking about on the show as it should. And so as we've gotten through the book of Genesis, we start talking about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and some of the situations they put themselves in, some of the promises of God that they almost thwarted for themselves because they were so pragmatic and because they weren't patient enough. Like they they didn't trust that the Lord was going to do what he was going to do on his own, so they went out and tried to do things for him. And I was trying to frame this conversation because it it is bigger than that. So I was trying to frame this conversation. I had no idea how until I was watching this Jonathan Taylor special. And he says the words, our team's motto is to be where your feet are. Be where your feet are. So essentially let go of anything and everything else that's going on in your mind, that's going on in your world and be present where you are. Be where your feet are. You're standing right here right now. So be present right here right now. And I love that idea. I love that idea. It's the idea of being all in in every moment that you experience, right? So if I'm in class, I'm all in in class right now. Class is what I'm worried about. If I'm at football practice, I'm all in right now at at football practice, doing the very best I can, giving everything I got for football practice, not worrying what comes next, not worrying about the meetings we're about to go to, not worrying about what's for dinner, being all in in this moment. If I'm on a date with a girl, I'm right here. This is where my feet are. This is where my attention is. This is where my thoughts are. I'm 100% with you. If I'm playing with my kids, I'm all in right now to play with my kids. I'm not worried about work. I'm not worried about anything else. This is where I am. This is where I'm present. Because the reality is, I have no control over anything else besides what's happening right now. This is the only moment I can control. This is the only moment in which I have any impact. And so I have to let go of everything else. I love the way C.S. Lewis talks about it. He says that the present is the moment at which time touches eternity. And he's right. Because I cannot do anything about the past. The past is simply memory. No one can go back and change it. Nobody can go back and affect it. Nobody can go back and manipulate it. Or you can't do anything with it. It simply lives on in memory and sometimes in recorded history. Most things don't even go down in recorded history. They just exist in the hearts and minds of the people that experience them. There's nothing I can do about it. On the opposite end of the spectrum, I also can't control anything that's going to happen in the future. Not only can I not control it and I can't manipulate it or change it to my will, but I have no idea what's coming. I have no idea what waits around the corner. I have no idea what waits around the bend. What's going to meet me this week? What's going to meet me in the next year? I have no idea what my situation is going to be like a year from now. If I did, I could control it. But since I don't, I can't. So this moment is the moment at which time touches eternity. This moment is the moment I have a little control over. This moment is the only thing that I can truly manipulate. This moment is the only thing that I can truly affect. This moment is the only thing that separates me from eternity on the other side. Because in God's reality, there is no time. We just are. And God just is. We don't have past, present, and future in eternity. 
It's just always present all the time for all eternity. And everything is present all the time for all eternity. But that's a different conversation for a different time. What I want to talk about right now is the ability to live in the present in a God-fearing, God-pleasing, humble way. Okay, Um, and, And when you look at the stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you see that pretty consistently. Um, when Abraham was called by God to leave Ur and to follow him uh, into the promised land, into Canaan, Abraham was not worried about the future. He was not worried about the past. He simply did what the Lord asked him to do. That's a great example of exactly what the Lord would call us to do. The Lord said, Abram, I need you to move. Abram said, all right, let's pack, let's go. He didn't know where he was going. He didn't know how long it would take to get there. He didn't know when he was coming back. He didn't know what the future held, but he said, Lord, I trust you and I will follow you. I'd like to say I do the same, but I don't. And neither did Abraham. Because when Abram went into Egypt, what did he do? He got into Egypt. He looked around, said, man, my wife is beautiful and these people don't fear the Lord. And what did he say? This is my sister. He was afraid of what was going to happen. He worried about the future. He worried about something that not only did he have no idea what was going to happen, but he had no control over it. And he tried to establish control over something that was in the future that may or may not happen by telling a lie right now in the present. We find out later that the king of Egypt is actually an honorable man and he would never have touched Sarah if he had not, if he had known that she was married to Abram. Now, God blesses the experience and gives Abram great wealth through that experience. But Abram turned away from God. And we have no idea what God would have done for Abram if Abram had simply trusted him. Who knows what could have been, right? So then Abram and Sarah go back and God promises them a son and they wait for years. They wait for 11 years. They never hear a thing about the promise that God has made. And then all of a sudden, 11 years later, God comes back and says, "Within a, uh, pretty soon here, coming up, you're going to have a son. And Abraham says, all right, now's the time. I'm going to take Hagar, my wife's servant, and I'm going to sleep with her because this is where my son is coming from. I figured out what God's plan is. I know what the future holds and I'm going to have a son with my wife's servant. He took things into his own hands again. He looked into the future and said, look, God, I know you're going to need my help in this, and I'm going to do this on my own. Did the Lord need his help? No. It's when he stepped out of the present and started trying to manipulate the future that he found sin, right? That's the moment at which he stepped over the line from trusting the Lord to selfishness and pride. The reality is that when I am trying to manipulate the future, when I'm trying to change the outcomes ahead of me, it's actually a tremendous act of pride and arrogance. It's actually a tremendous act of selfishness. It's a tremendous act of pride and arrogance because I'm claiming that I need to affect my future because I cannot trust a benevolent father, a benevolent creator who promises me that he has plans for me to prosper me and not to harm me, plans to give me hope in a future. So then when Jacob finds out that he has been promised a birthright, that he's been promised that the Savior will come from his line, does he wait patiently for the Lord to come through on his promise? No. He fools his brother twice. He makes a fool of his brother twice, makes a fool of his father, steals his inheritance, and then has to run away with nothing. So he claim, puts his claim on everything, 
And then because of the circumstances of which he took hold of it, he had to run away with nothing. When Abraham, when Jacob's coming back and talking to the Lord in prayer, he says, all I had was my robe and my staff when I left, and now I'm coming back blessed. Laban did the same thing. Laban said, I don't know what's going to happen if my younger daughter's married before my older daughter. She's probably never going to get married, and I'm going to have a, I'm gonna have a, a daughter in my house. There's an old maid. I, I, I'm not going to benefit from this. I'm not going to find any profit in it. So what does he do? Instead of trusting the Lord, he tricks Jacob into marrying both of his daughters, and now all of a sudden his entire family is unhappy. His daughters feel like they've been traded as slaves. They're constantly bickering with each other. He's bickering with his son-in-law. This all could have been a happy, healthy family, a happy, healthy family arrangement, but instead they destroyed it. And he, he, he actually created havoc on his family for years to come. These men stepped out of faith. They stepped out of trust in the Lord, and they tried to affect the future. And in trying to affect the future and in trying to change what was coming ahead of them, they created great devastation for themselves. They created great hardship for themselves instead of just trusting the Lord. Now, there's a lot of wisdom on the world on this, and I will admit to you right now, I'm uncomfortable saying some of these things out loud because I'm just as guilty as anybody else of trying to make plans for the future. I worry and fret about the future more than I ought to, and it's something I've been praying a lot about and talking to my Heavenly Father a lot about even before I was studying this portion of Scripture because it's something that's very, very real to me. It's a struggle that is a big-time problem in my life is I like to worry about the future. I, I, I use that word on purpose. I like to. It makes me feel important. It makes me feel like I'm in power and in control. But the reality is I have no power and control at all. What we must do then is treat this moment in which we are living right now as the important moment. The important moment. So when I wake up in the morning, I don't look around and say, I wonder what today is going to hold. I hope today is a good one, blah, blah, blah. Right? I don't look around and say, I can't wait till I'm out of this place or can't wait till I get a raise, can't wait till I move on. Those thoughts don't even enter my mind in the morning as, as a Christian. What I think about in the morning as a Christian is, all right, I just woke up, what next? What's next? All right, I better use the bathroom, better take a shower. All right, what next? What's the important thing I need to check off my list right now? Okay, time to go get into prayer. I go read my Bible, I pray about what's going on in my heart and my mind, and then an alarm goes off. All right. Well, that moment is over. Since the Lord has blessed me with another moment of life, what's next? I better get to school. Get to school, go through devotion at school. I say, all right, what's next? If I'm worried and fretting about what's going to happen at the end of the day, talking about what's going to happen at the end of the school day, I'm not going to be present with my kids. So in every moment with my kids at school, what's going on right now? What do I need to deal with right now so that my right now can be taken care of so that this moment can be taken care of when i'm teaching reading my mind needs to be focused on teaching reading my mind needs to be on helping young men and women lead and read because if my mind is on anything and everything else then this moment is lost and i'm gonna have to try again tomorrow i'm well i'm gonna have to try again tomorrow anyway that's my job but that's that moment that's important. This is the thing that I have power over. This is the thing I have control over at this time. And so, therefore, I'm going to deal with it right now as it is happening. And that is a tremendous leap of faith. That is a tremendous leap of trust. 
But the reality is that I did not choose to be born. I did not choose my family. I didn't choose the day I would be born. I did not choose how tall I would be, how short I would be. I did not choose the natural gifts I would be given. I did not choose where I would grow up. I did not choose um, what talents and abilities I would have. I did not choose whether I would be able to grow facial hair or not. I would not choose whether or not my hairline recedes. I did not choose um, which schools would offer me jobs and which schools would not. I I did not choose um, how much money I would make. I did not choose to have that transmission go out on my truck. I did not choose any of this, right? And on the flip side, I have not chosen a day of my death. I don't know. I, I could drop dead of a heart attack in about three minutes. Pray to God that doesn't happen, but I could. I might roll my ankle in about five minutes and not be able to walk. It might happen. I have no control over it. I don't control the day I die. I have no license on my own life. I, it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with my Heavenly Father. He has planned my course. He has marked my steps. He knows what's going to happen. He knows what has happened, and he has a plan. And all I can do is walk with him. All I can do is walk with him. And this manifests itself in a couple of different ways, right? We've got the men who live in the past. They're consistently talking about things that they have achieved before. And frankly, most of the time when men are talking about the things they've achieved before, they're blowing steam, frankly, right? Um, there's coach, like think about youth football coaches or youth baseball, baseball coaches, right? You walk into a, a meeting of youth football or baseball coaches and like they're walk, what are they talking about? They're talking about the good old days, how good they were, how good the team they coached five years ago was, how good, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they're, and they're constantly putting their credentials out on the table. You know what they don't talk about is what's going on right now with this group of kids. What can I do right now? If we get into a debate about um, like what drills to run, do we talk about the skills that need to be developed in our students? Or do we talk about, you know, well, we won 11 games five years ago and we did this drill every day. So what? So what? It was a different group of kids. It was a different era. It was a different set of rules. It does not apply to this situation. And there are men who live their entire lives like that, right? They're, they've been married for 15 years, and they still talk about how romantic their honeymoon was. And when somebody says, you know, like, what have you done for your wife lately? They say, well, we had a real hot honeymoon. Good for you. You're not going to do anything now? Like, you're not going to, you, like, you're losing, you're forfeiting your life in order to live in the past, right? You talk about you talk about um, men, and it's like that, going back to football again. You got men whose whose sons are playing high school football, and they go to high school football games. And what do they talk about at the high school football game? They either talk about the eighth grade football game where their son was a phenomenal football player, or they talk about two weeks ago where their son was a phenomenal football player, or they talk about their own high school football career. For the entire football game, I, 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 there was two weeks ago, there was a young man who graduated from the high school. So I, there's one particular high school team I have great support for, and I go and I watch him play pretty much every week. And, and there's a young man there who had come home from college, and his little brother was on the team. And for the entire football game, for three hours, he talked about what he did, 
how his brother compared to him, what equipment his brother was wearing that he wore, how his brother was copying his look. Everything he talked about was himself. He never once actually talked about his brother. He never once actually talked about the game that's going on right now. He spent the entire three hours living, reliving moments that had happened four or five years before. And it was a waste of time. (laughs) It was a waste of a football game. He might as well have not even been at the game. He could have had the same conversation at a bar 3,000 miles away. It did not matter that he was at that game. He was not present in the moment. And we see men who do that for their entire lives. We also see men on the flip side, right? And they, they wear this badge of honor as being, you know, like the supporter. We are, I'm a provider. I'm, I'm the one who's leading the way in my family. But the reality is they never actually show up for their family, right? They work long hours at work so that they can provide more than their family needs. And when anybody says anything about like, well, you should spend more time in your kid's life. You say, but I'm providing all this for him. Where do you think he gets all this equipment from? Where do you think those, who do you think pays for the food? He, well, I think he'd be happier eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and having a father in his life. I think he'd be happier wearing Skechers and having a father in his life. I think he'd be happier um, going to a public school and having a father in his life. I think he'd be happier playing catch in the yard than watching football without his father there. I, 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 he would be. I guarantee he would be happier with you there. I guarantee he would be happier with you present. Um, who, who, who pays for all your shopping trips? Well, I think she'd rather have a loving husband than, than fancy clothes. I think, that's, I think she'd be more content with that. Um, I, I'm, not saying she'd, I'm not saying she'd say no to the, ha- the nice clothes. I think I'm sure she'd love to have both, but if she had to choose one or the other, I'm pretty sure she'd choose you. You're not showing up in the moment, right? And that's, that, that's the lesson I want to put out there right now is that um, we can worry and fret about the future. We can, we can pleasantly remember the past or we can regret the past. All those things happen, and, and as sinful men, we're not going to avoid those things completely. But the reality is if I trust the Lord and if I'm humble about myself, I'm going to realize that I have no control and I am at the liberty of my Heavenly Father. I am at the disposal of my Heavenly Father that I am under His control whether I want to be or not. I make daily choices, right? Um, but I don't, I don't choose how long I'm going to live. I don't choose what gifts I've been given. I don't choose any of that. Those are all gifts of the Lord that can be given and taken away and I have no control over them. I might get punched in the throat tomorrow and lose my voice forever. I don't know. It's a gift from the Lord, and it's my duty to use it. It's a gift from the Lord, and it's my duty to make use of it each and every day. Um, I don't know, guys. I hope I was clear. <laughs> um, I, I, I just I pray every day that uh, I pray every day that the Lord draws me up into Himself, that I lose myself in Him, and I I lose all ties to this world. Uh, I, I pray daily that nothing becomes more important to me than the things of my heavenly father and if the past becomes more important to me than the present that's exactly what's going on if i'm more worried about what happened five years ago than i am about what's happening right now in my own house that's i'm I'm forfeiting my position as a man of god why for nothing if i worry and fret about the future that i can't even handle 
Wouldn't life be better and easier if I just gave it over to my Lord and trusted him? If Abraham would have trusted the Lord and waited for his promise to come true, his life would have been a whole lot easier, happier, and better. As would mine. If I can trust my Heavenly Father, if I can wait for the Lord to move, if I can wait for the Lord, take heart and wait for the Lord, my life's going to be pretty darn good. The gifts of the Spirit are given to those with faith. That's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And those things are not manifested and men worried about the past or, or men consumed with the past are worried about the future. I cannot love someone that I'm not present with. Love requires presence. Patience requires presence. Gentleness requires presence. Faithfulness requires presence. Kindness requires presence. All of it requires that I am right here, right now. That I am where my feet are. And if I consistently choose to be where my feet are, if I consistently choose to be in this moment, not in some irresponsible YOLO, screw the consequences type way, but simply leaning on my Heavenly Father and walking out His will in every single one of my steps. If I walk out His will in every single one of my steps and by, for the, to the best of my understanding, live according to His law and let Him take care of the rest, oh boy, what a wonderful life to lead. Pray on it, gentlemen. I hope that we can take hold of it. Uh, I pray that it becomes reality in our lives. And I hope that I, uh, when I get to meet you, when, when, we, when we get to be together, whether it's now in, or in heaven, uh, we can talk about just how wonderful the blessings the Lord has given us are. And not worry about the future. Not be consumed by the past. Uh, but simply live in this moment. This moment in which time meets eternity. Be where your feet are. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you like what you're hearing on our podcast, make sure you're sharing it with friends and family, men in your life who you think need to hear our message. You can find us on social media, on Facebook under the Gird Up Podcast, and there's a Gird Up community as well there where you can interact with other men on the journey toward Christian manhood. You can find us on Instagram as girdup underscore like underscore a underscore man. If you'd like to help us bring our message to more men just like you all around the world, you can hit up our Patreon account. Type in www.patreon.com forward slash girdup. And finally, please leave a five-star rating or review on whatever platform you use to listen to our podcast, whether it's iTunes or Spotify. What that does is it helps us get more attention in the podcast world and bring more men to our message. Thank you again for listening to our podcast. Thank you for all the ways you support us and help spread the word. Until next time, go gird up and be the man that God created you to be.